Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Okay, we are back today with the Reverend Dr. Rafiq Wadvi Barsoom. He's been on the program before, but it's been a few months, so we're excited to reconnect. He's the founder of the ministry called Message to All Nations. It's been a while, but I want to hear from him today about some big questions, some big topics. He travels a lot, has a lot of international ministry exposure and experience particularly around uh, the Middle East. That's an area of the world we don't hear a lot about right now because of all the news being dominated by what's going on in Eastern Europe. But I know that God's heart is beating strongly for the Middle East, and I want us to dial into that a little bit today. So Dr. Rafiq, thank you for being on the program today. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people in our audience are new and they may not be familiar with you or your ministry. Can you give us a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of background? You don't have to do the full deep version we did in previous <laughs> uh, interviews, but just so people are familiar and yeah, tell us sure. a little bit about your ministry. So uh, quickly, we, uh, we, the founders came from the medical background, medical world. We were all uh, medical students or fresh medical grads at this time. And we, uh, prayed and we thought uh, medical profession gave us a wonderful platform to reach out to the nations and since we were um, based in Cairo so the nations for us were the the majority world so to speak the context the word of the, the majority faith and so we started this ministry to train and equip medical students and dental and pharmacy and so forth pharmacology students to use their uh, medical studies to reach out to the, the others. And so the Lord, you know, grew the ministry slowly from a ministry of mobilization and discipleship into a ministry of outreach and training. And um, after the launch, we, we were using courses and mobilizing the church, and then we added some uh, outreach tracks, whether medical outreach or mission outreach. And then um, we, we started teaching in seminaries and getting the church involved and so forth. But then the Lord decided um, five or six uh, years down the road to open up the media world for us. So okay. um, it started with taping recorded programs that were shown on, um, on TV on Christian television, and um, thankfully the response was amazing, was beyond anybody's um, comprehension, really, and each episode that we recorded was broadcasted maybe 14 times a week or so forth, and it reached millions. So the Lord opened up this new area for us, uh, the media world, which I was actually resist resisting for a few years. <laughs> Anybody... Uh, that invited me to come alongside any program. Uh, you know, my uh, kind and sweet apology would be the answer, but uh, it was <laughs> the Lord's timing. 
and then uh, from recorded television to live television and then to social media, uh, the Lord just opened door after door after door to reach the world for Christ. And so now, and since 2020, since the pandemic, I am based in Toronto, Canada, where I'm broadcasting, broadcasting live television programs um, to the world, really. Our network that we partner with reaches 99% uh, of the globe and uh, is on 14 satellites uh, and uses seven channels. So we have seven channels and 14 satellites. Uh, lately, the Lord uh, started to put on our hearts um, to set up a a way for those who come to Christ from the majority background in the persecuted countries and those who cannot attend a church. So the issue is now some many people come to Christ through media and social media. Yeah. And we're very grateful for that. But then who would follow up with them? Who would disciple them? How would they fellowship with other believers? How would they grow in the faith? How would they be fruitful and multiply? How would they evangelize to others? How would they serve the Lord? In many ways, there was no answer except through other forms of media because of the nature of their um, demographics and so forth. There is no other way except for media. So we prayed and the Lord opened up something called the digital church. So we're now setting up a digital church, which is a church, a functioning church, a real church. Wow. But uh, digitally. So um, the Lord also, in the meantime, sent us a person from this background who came to Christ through the media. And then she escaped her country, went to another country and worked with a Christian church on the start of their digital church. And then in the heat of the pandemic, uh, one pastor of her second country, her host country, asked me, uh, where are you now? And I told him, I'm in Toronto. And he said, this person is coming to Toronto tomorrow. Would you take care of her and her, her daughters? And so I'm very grateful that uh, the Lord sent us the people, the equipped personnel to lead it, yeah. and um, the platform. So please pray for this new initiative. And we called it the Church of the Nations because okay. uh, we know the heart of God for the nations. And so we are we have a social media platform, uh, a, um, a digital church platform called Alter, Alter Live, which is exactly like, you know, like a Zoom um, platform, but for churches so that in Alter you can go into the hall sit beside each other, pray with each other and be audible to each other, but nobody else will hear you. Come to rooms, huddle around groups, uh, go to fellowship halls, go to personal counseling meetings and so forth. Uh, so so it's, it fits our need perfectly. The, so the Lord has been helping us. We worked on setting up a, a group of leaders in the last two months. And thankfully, we have the group leaders in place. And uh, like any church, you know, we always taught in the missions courses that a church has to start thinking of its daughter church in its conception. Wow. Which is what we try to do. Uh, so now I have the group leaders of the daughter churches. 
And um, by God's grace, I'm also, I'm joined by um, one of my favorite singers, worship leaders, who happen to live here in Toronto, and the Lord has put on his heart to join the worship church as the pastor of worship. So um, to, to join the, the, the digital church as the pastor of worship. So um, I'm grateful for the unity and the consensus and the spirit of zeal and passion towards this project that the Lord is putting on us. But then I know that um, we are entering into spiritual battle and spiritual warfare that we need to be very um, alert and not oblivious. And may the Lord lead us into whatever would honor him. That's and, fantastic. And uh, bring many to his name. That's fantastic. I've actually not heard of anyone doing something like this. So as you're undertaking this digital church expression, how are you handling language? Like what's your target language group initially? That's a very good question. So uh, we will have it in Arabic. Okay. But uh, like any churches now, we all know that uh, language is not the defining factor of today's church. So I would focus this primarily now in the North African countries. So we are considering French and any post that we have on social media is in Arabic, English, and French. But then they have also tribal languages like Amazigh and Brija and so forth. And this is another whole set of challenge, whole set of um, resources and budgets and so forth. So we're starting with Arabic, but we know soon that the need will grow into others. And uh, may the Lord help us, really, because um, yeah, Amen. As we go to the world, the Lord will open up those things. Yeah. And so, do you see? Do you foresee these digital churches multiplying towards particular language areas or uh, like ethnic areas that are more tailored or specific to their region, or are they more just broadly offered and accessible regionally or globally? Like, are you targeting, or is it more of a general uh, audience? Yeah. That's a great question, Jonathan. So um, there is a clear strategy that we have. Um, any church is global in its nature. Sure. So yes, we are uh, open to people from every nation. It's the Church of the Nations. But we are focused on, at least in this stage, on three particular areas of the world, and uh, this is has this has been informed to us by the statistics and responses of our social media and media work. So, um, on Facebook, for instance, the highest response, around sixty percent of all the responses that come to us, would be coming from countries like Algeria, Tunisia, and Morocco. And there is hardly any church, physical church over there. Right. For example, Algeria had 46 Protestant churches last year during the COVID years. Guess how many of them were closed overnight? No idea. 36 out of the 46 were closed overnight. Was that due to government pressure or just collapse of attendance and finances, or what was the reason? Of course, of course, um, government, but uh, but they did it in a very um, in a very professional way. So there is no uh, blame, right? 
And um, we can see, we can foresee that the digital church would be a great resource for those believers over there. The other area of the world is the Gulf and Iraq, where, yeah. where the Lord has been blessing us. And uh, YouTube, for instance, which is the third place, I mean, the third uh, statistical metric, YouTube has informed us that there are 60% of our viewers come from Turkey. Oh, wow. 60%. Wow. And, you know, if the average video is 100%, they would watch up to very, very um, late. So the viewership, what, what we call the retention rate in the metric is very high. Hmm. So this means there's eagerness, there is... Um, there is thirst to the word of God. So the diaspora, Turkey, the European diaspora is also a place where we uh, want to work. So with that being said, our strategy is to empower the local church as much as possible. So um, actually, even before our conception, a few days ago, I was talking with a leader in a denomination, a leader in Egypt, and telling him that, you know, even if we are digital, we want to bless you as physical churches in sure. different places. So, so we'll carry events together. We'll take, we'll take care of the details, but we'll invite people. So whoever could join you physically and be blessed by the fellowship, then that would be great. You know, because Egypt has the ability to have overground churches, but then those who cannot would be um, welcome to join the digital church. And so so we can reach out to um, those who respond to us and serve them in the best way we can and also grow the existing church. That being said, we want that we want to uh, empower and leverage and scale the impact of the digital church into um, daughter churches in those different places, whether those daughter churches will be online or physical or hybrid, okay, or virtual. Nobody knows. I mean, we're right. we're entering into the virtual world, John. Yeah, believe it or not, we're entering into this hybrid world. What I would see, Jonathan, but I don't know whether Jonathan is in front of me or right. still in Arkansas or so forth. <laughs> but, but. Well, this um, is good news for are, people. This is really good news for people because a lot of people, they mm -hmm. don't know this is going on. All they see is in the news, you know, that thousands of churches are closing and around the world and even in the West and the United States, and they get really discouraged. They don't realize that there's these pivots going on in the kingdom of God. And I think this is incredibly inspiring for people and will really help open people's minds to how does Amen. the church uh, develop and, and grow and how does the kingdom of God advance even in a place that has restricted access or extreme poverty or limits structurally. This is really encouraging. Amen. 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 May the Lord use us with our very limited experience and abilities to accomplish his vision for those days. Um, one, one other thing is, you know, in Genesis 1, it says, subdue the earth. Amen. 
the Lord blessed man and told him to multiply and bless and uh, subdue the earth and um, fill the earth. But in the same mandate, it is told to man to subdue the sea and subdue the heaven. If you can think of this world, we are not just to fill in the land, but also, you know, the devil has used his agents to control, so to speak, the ether world, right. the media world, the satellite world, the radio world, the, the waves. And um, we are hearing a voice now. I was myself an army officer. And, and you know, uh, no army wins by only infantry. Infantry um, gets you the land but it's far, far more beyond the land. And uh, it's a strategy. It's like one, one general said, you know, infantry wins a battle, but strategy wins the war. Yeah. Or logistics and strategy win, win the war. So uh, we need to have strategy and logistics to win the whole war. Um, thought. So the old model of having Boots on the ground is very essential. I still believe in it because we started mobilizing people to be boots on the ground, but we can't just be there. Right. Only on the ground. Because uh, when we were in the mission work, doing work on the street, in the trenches, we, um, we were preceded, like all the media was there before we went. And it had greater influence than us. And right. all the trash theology was there. All the garbage, you know, theology and heresies was there before us. And all the uh, fallacies and false doctrines and everything was there before us. So we need to reclaim this world for Christ. Um, one last thing, though, is I think one, one major need, if not the most major need of converts and people coming to Christ from different backgrounds is to grow on the meat of the word of God. And sadly, because of many needs, this has not been emphasized. Like you would hardly see um, church from this background, delighting in expository preaching or, you know, dealing in the meat of the word of God this right. way. So this is also one of our passions to have the church built on God's word in such a way. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I encourage your audience to pray, keep us in prayer, and you know they know how to find us through you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know it's it's really inspiring to hear this because people I think are thinking quite one dimensionally a lot of times about what mission is and what can be done to. Mm even plant churches, but to really make a difference That's in right. spheres of influence. And this, like you're talking about, there's headroom for that. There's space. I've been talking a lot about our emphasis being on people, places, and spaces. And that that mm. being the nature of managing your Metron, that it's got these dimensions to it. It's not mm. monolithic or one dimensional no. in what we're trying to do. So it really resonates with me when you're talking about really owning the airspace uh, for the kingdom of God, even in the sake of even technology. And that really leads me to this uh, point of wondering, 
you know, what do people do? We have a lot of missionally minded uh, Western professionals, people who are entrepreneurs, they are wanting to create jobs, they want to see transformation happen, they want to meet needs in different countries, they want to come up with ideas uh, that haven't happened before and implement those. And then you have a lot of people that just aren't entrepreneurial, but they really care about the Great Commission. They maybe have a heavy corporate background or a calling to a specific uh, technical occupation, but they're also wondering, could I take a job? Could I go find a job in a place that needs the light of Christ to shine, that needs a different uh, demonstration of the gospel in an area? You know, so I'm seeing a lot of interest in both of these kind of trajectories from people that are very missional and, uh, you know, what would you say to that movement? You got these two streams and even in regards to how to make an impact in the Middle East. Great, great few questions, Jonathan. And I think there is a third very, I mean, if you want to to add the hardest question would be predestination, you know? So I think um, those would be the three hardest questions I can answer today. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, so, um, of course, there is no like um, standard formula or textbook answer to this question. First of all, sit before the Lord, plead before him to open up your heart and mind to what he wants you to do and to figure out your calling in such a time like this. And with that, the attitude is the most important, an attitude okay. of humility, of um, coming to God with all your gifts and asking him to bless them and acknowledging your weakness and incapability. You know, I've been on both sides of the, the game. I've been on the receiving end of missionaries and on the sending end. Right. And the missionaries who are definitely not fruitful whatsoever are those who think that they have something to bring to God's mission. Because um, this is the first... I think trick that the devil tricks them is that, you know, you kind of got, uh, God owes you something or that you can, um, you can do it, you know? <laughs> yes, you can. It's as if God needs you to come up with this amazing idea to change the world and God cannot do it without you. And I think, uh, yes, yes, God will not do it without you, but, uh, but you need to know that everything you have is from him and to him. And with this heart of um, humility and gratitude, you will be able to serve him in whichever capacity that he gives you, because you, in that sense, you will be caring for the kingdom of Christ and not your own contribution to the kingdom. Right. Because honestly, without him, we cannot do anything. So totally yielding to him. And then the second thing would be um, put yourself under local leadership and under local accountability. Okay. And I think most of the, the churches and the mission sending agencies now are stressing this. Um, you cannot go anywhere without local. And I mean local like your field um, accountability so that you don't come with this foreign and alien idea that helps 
that doesn't help them. In fact, it causes more trouble and sometimes uh, puts the local work in danger, but come with a servant heart, with a yielding attitude and so forth. Now, would you say that would be applicable to those who are, say, taking a, say they're going to work for like an expat company that's based in the Middle East, but they have a real heart to make a great commission difference while they're there. Uh, what would you say to them in that situation where maybe they don't even know any local agencies, organizations, or even churches for that matter? What would be a win for the field, like for the people there and for that person when it comes to that being submitted and humble and seeking out accountability? That's a great question. You know, That's what, a great question. Where do they, yeah. What do they do? Yeah, and it's always a temptation, you know, uh, uh, mission accountability is not just being paid by the mission organization, and this is why I'm accountable. I think it includes everything else, or includes everything, rather. So um, I know many models, great, great men and, and women of God who have their daytime job, and in many parts of the Middle East, this daytime job pays them very well. So they don't need to actually pay them bet, bet, much better than they, their home country. So they're able to be, a, you know, take care of themselves and also be a blessing for many others. But they are still under an organizational structure which provides accountability for them and keeps them accountable um, to their daily living and so forth. And um, I admire these models. Uh, because it goes much, I mean, it goes beyond money to uh, the important attitudes, the holiness, the reflection of the image of Christ. And of course, um, in addition to accountability, it adds a huge, very important element of fellowship, of um, communion, of community, right. and of the Christian support together. So, um if that's not there, um, ask around. Thankfully, mission agencies know them now and um, n never be alone. Yeah, never be alone. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard of, uh, I hear a lot more failure stories than I hear success stories. So I think that's a key point. Sadly, Jonathan, in any discipline in our uh, lives, we study well. Um, you're a businessman and uh, you have done so many feasibility studies before going into any business because that's your money. Um, and I guess people have to consider investing their lives well and right um, and, and uh, be good stewards of their gifts and, and so forth. Now, this doesn't deter people from going, but it it encouraged them to go with the right attitude and the right preparation for sure. Yeah. Cause one of the things that brings up this discussion a lot is just the inherent nature of the mobile global workforce. You know, we have multitudes of companies, even right here in Northwest Arkansas that uh, offer international postings or positions, or you might get told to go somewhere for your job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and one of the statistics that we've unearthed over the last few years this was pre-COVID, maybe it's going to be adjusted due to COVID and the global changes around that. But there was estimated to be upwards of 10 million 
uh, American or Western, but particularly American expat workers migrating around the planet in the next 10 or 15 years. And if you just base that on a statistical likelihood, it probably close to a million of those folks would be Christians. If you just look at how many are Christians in the general population. We definitely pray there'd be more. Well, but, yeah, yeah, but I, I'll, I'll low rate it as saying 10% yeah. are legitimate yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is, followers which is of Jesus or yeah. care. Yeah. But most of them don't have any kind of missional uh, heart or inclination or exposure, That's which right. is what we're working on trying to help with. But, you know, it's like these people are going to be there anyway. So when we set out to encourage people, these ideas of finding community, this is crucial. Right. And right. things things like this, they're going to be out there and they could be a real help or get That's really totally hurt. Right, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, in the age of, in the early ages of our mobilization, we started with medical students because they would be there anyway. Like right. uh, I graduated in 2008 and now it's 2022. So it's like 13 years. And my colleagues are all over the globe, literally, from all the, you know, head universities in the United States to the distant areas in, in Australia, to Europe, to everywhere, in the Gulf, everywhere. So uh, we said, like, we better prepare them. We better equip them. If they are believers, they'd be very effective. So yeah. they are going. That's not the issue. You know, uh, when you go back to the Greek text of Matthew 28, you will find it's emphatic that the imperative is not go. Like in the Great Commission, right. go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The imperative is not go. The imperative is make disciples because like if go is kind of an implicit notion. As you go, make right. disciples. Right. It's as you're going, make as disciples. Going. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good reminder. Yeah. And I like, you know, some of what you're sharing here about your your vision with the digital church. I think this kind of stuff needs to be heard by, I would say, missional entrepreneurs who are thinking, man, yeah. I need to go carry out what I'm, my heart for this area, this thing I want to do on the ground somewhere in a foreign country, when actually it could be done in a different space where it could be done, their entrepreneurial ideas, especially in the tech sector, could really really get traction and make a difference in serving the work of even an organization like yours or others uh, to make a maximum impact, to amplify impact in this new digital age. And so the even the missional entrepreneur side can be a significant way to move forward. And, and you know what, um, brother? Uh, many of my friends that both work as missionaries in the mission field or in the workforce, in the mission field, um, like as we were sharing and they were with me in prayer and so forth in the beginning and supporting this project, said that this came in, this project came in as an answer to the prayer because now they follow up with someone and then they don't know what to do. He cannot be right. integrated to a church. They cannot be integrated to a church and so forth. So here comes the digital church as an answer. And to my um, colleagues in Message to All Nations, I tell them, you know, we were praying for years for some puzzle block to fit in the hole, to fill in, like to complete the puzzle for us. And that was the Church of the Nations. So, yes, indeed, it is a, um, a venue where missional entrepreneurs in the tech industry and not the tech, we're all... Uh, 
we're not tech savvy is for sure where some of us are really technologically challenged but um, but we trust that the Lord is using it and will use it much more to reach and to be a venue for many to even serve others through this uh, church of the nations yeah what a fantastic vision and what a fantastic new field of opportunity for people with a heart for the great commission but who might even say, hey, I'd, I'd like to help out, but I'm never moving to the Middle East or I'm never moving to India, but I'd like to do something. Uh, this even gives more doors to um, different Based types up. of people in the body of Christ. Could you imagine? That's I right. could even see somebody who has a lot of tech skills who's now a stay-at-home mom with a couple of kids, mm -hmm. but has a lot of skills and corporate experience. Maybe she was trained yes. at MIT, just going a different way, raising kids for a season in her life. Imagine she could even do stuff from home to support a digital church effort hey, uh, from hey. her own house. She doesn't have to move to the Middle East anymore. Hey, she doesn't man. even have to learn another language. She already speaks a bunch of computer languages, and that's what's actually needed. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, our software developer, the Alta platform, um, uses a, a team of software developers. So I was uh, uh, on, you know, instead of a Zoom call, we call it an altar call. Okay. But it's not really an altar call because <laughs> we open it. So, but it works. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so we were on altar meeting with the CEO of Alter. Uh, a brilliant girl from Boston and she was telling us that many of her team of developers live in Ukraine. Okay. So they are in the war zone. And wow. of course in the beginning they couldn't you know, work on their programming and development but now they kind of went more empathetic and and they are working on their stuff from the war zone. Wow. So if somebody is working the Lord's work from the war zone, you know, guess what you can do from anywhere else? You can do that from your home with your own little war zone of kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, live without, hearing air raids, <laughs> without hearing air raids yeah. and, and knowing that your friends are not coming back wow. from their dead. So it's a very, uh, it was a, it's, it was very encouraging and also very um, kind of convicting to me. Yeah. Wow. The world of, mission is changing and evolving the global situations changing evolving some for we see the bad stuff on the news but in the converse there's so many good things happening so many doors opening and such greatness rising out of the body of christ right now that yes. it's really encouraging to see and to, and to hear the testimony of what you guys are doing and the digital church world the programmers all of that i think a lot of people will hear this and be really inspired about what they can do to advance the kingdom of God through their Amen. vocation and just open their mind up a little bit about that. So thanks for sharing on this. Thank you for sharing the story and the inspiration. I think it'll take our audience a long ways forward in their endeavors in the kingdom. Thank you, Jonathan. It's always good to be with you and your audience. And I really cheer you for the great work you're doing. Uh, we have to reclaim the marketplace and the Lord is at work. The Lord is near and um, there is no sphere that shouldn't be reclaimed and proclaimed by Jesus. That's right. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager podcast presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. 
Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.